Well, everybody, it is that time again. It is time for another episode of Scriptures Revealed. And I am, am again excited about what we are learning, what we are embarking on, and what we are discovering in the Scriptures. Because it is indeed the power to transform our lives. I know you say, Ricky, you say that every week. You talk about the Word of God changing and transforming us every week. Because you've got to remind yourself, you know, the beauty of, uh, or, the, or the power, rather, of staying motivated for change is reminding yourself of its possibility. One of the gravest uh, dangers in Satan's kingdom is robbing God's people of expectation and robbing God's people of the ability to dream and hope. That's why the Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. And what that scripture actually means is that if the enemy can ever get you to drag your feet concerning the possibility, concerning the hope concerning what is ahead of you, concerning the future. If he can make you drag your feet concerning the future, then he can rob you uh, uh, of the the life that your heart needs for the future. Your heart needs life and energy and tenacity, and it needs vigor for the future. But the enemy knows how to rob us of that. If he can make us be hopeless, he can make us be discouraged, he can cause us to lose sight of the possibility of the future that is out there. So I'm just want to encourage everybody that is listening every single week that there is a possibility out there for you and the possibility is being transformed. The possibility is being revolutionized from the inside out. That there is really a possibility for you to be changed and transformed into the very image of the God man. Ah, man, that is mind-blowing. That is a phenomenal truth to constantly wrap our minds around and grasp in our hearts that, that I can look like the God who saved me. I can look like him. I can talk like him. I can sound like him. I can behave like him in the earth. I can be like my Redeemer. And that is a marvelous, transformative truth that I want us to never, ever, ever, ever let go or ever turn loose in our hearts. So we are continuing that journey and we are going through the book of Ephesians and we are moving right along. Uh, we are in the uh, middle of chapter two, actually coming up towards the end of chapter two of Ephesians. Uh, and we only have a few more verses left, but in all honesty, we're only going to cover about one verse today because there's so much that I want to get over to you guys uh, about the revelation that Paul is trying to disclose to us. Now, before we uh, get into the verse we're going to cover today is chapter 2, verse 19. Uh, but I want to bring a sort of greater clarity to some things that we discussed last week because uh, after the episode was over, I wasn't quite sure that I explained it to the best of my ability. So I want to make sure that I clarify some things for you. Because we start in verse 19 saying, so then, or in, in the actual translation, it says, uh, consequently then. In other words, what we are going to discuss today is in direct relation or is uh, uh, an effect of the cause of what we've already discovered in the previous verses. And so we've been talking about... Uh, uh, being uh, dead and the gospel to dead men. We talked about being citizens of the nation of Jesus Christ. We've talked about God tearing down this wall of hostility last week. But what I want to bring clarity to is I want us to understand what the Bible is trying to communicate to us about this whole Jew Gentile phenomenon. 
Now, and and you got to take the scriptures before you start breaking it down and making it uh, allegorical or parabolical uh, or parabolic. You've got to understand the scriptures in their literal sense. Um, So uh, I want us to understand that when the Bible talks about Jew and Gentile, it is legit talking about Jew and Gentile, those that belong to God and those that were classified in the Old Testament scriptures as heathen nations as heathen nations or as aliens or as strangers or as sojourners those were the those were the gentile nations so you had Israel and then you had the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Jebusites all of these were would have been classified as heathen nations or gentiles all right so i want you to get that in your mind that when you think about the enemies of Israel the enemies of the people of God they would have been classified as gentile and the scriptures are literally talking about those group of people but I believe that the Jew Gentile thing has a bigger picture that I want us to grab a hold of is that in order to understand what God did in the New Testament, I think he uses the Jew and the Gentile just like he used Sarah and Hagar in the book of Galatians. If you go over to the, that book and you look at chapter four, I believe uh, Paul uses an allegory, but he uses it based on real people. Sarah was a real woman. Hagar was a real woman. And he he talks about two different covenants coming out of these women. And I believe that is exactly what we find in the scriptures when it comes to the Jew and the Gentile, that the Jews represent the people of God, the nation of Jesus Christ. That's why the whole definition of a Jew changes in the New Testament. All right. I want to be very blunt and I want to be very clear to make sure that we grab a hold of this. In the New Testament, the definition of a Jew changes. You can see that over in Galatians. You can see that over in the book of Romans. He talks about that the Jew is no longer those who are circumcised and who live under the law. In the new covenant, the Jew are, are those that have been circumcised in their hearts. It is those who have been born again, those that have been regenerated, justified, and and sanctified and redeemed by the blood of the lamb you are now a a jew under the new covenant right because jew is not about uh judaism or the religion of being jewish when you get to the new testament is that it is about belonging to god it is about being a a people of god it is about being a royal priesthood and a holy nation that is what it is about the gentile then represents the opposite of that so the gentile is going to represent the heathen nations is going to represent those who do not belong to god those who are not a part of the royal priesthood of god those that are not a part of god's holy nation so and when you talk about god tearing down the wall of hostility last week we were talking about god changing you from being a heathen god changing you from not belonging to him to changing you over to a royal priesthood and a part of his nation all right i hope i'm making that clear to you that the Jew and the Gentile is not just about two different ethnic groups. It's about those who belong to God and those who do not belong to God. All right. Now, the beauty of that is when you begin to analyze that and you begin to look through the Old Testament and notice that the, the nation of Israel then becomes a shadow and a foreshadowing and a typology of the of the fullness of God's nation, of the fullness of God's priesthood, which would include you. 
It includes you. So, so the nation of Israel is a shadow of the, the fullness of the body of Christ, of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so now Jew and Gentile, we make up one race. Those that did were not a people of God are now a people of God in the body of Christ. We are one new race. We are a God species. So um, we, we look at that, but then you look at all of the other enemies of Israel. Look at the Canaanites. Look at the Philistines. Look at Goliath. Look at how foul he was. Look at how, you know, he defied the armies of Israel. And look at the enemies uh, of Israel. And look at uh, the Jebusites and the Hittites. And look at how they came in with all of their abominations, all of their uh, their filth. filth. Uh, they came in with all of their filth. And they came in with all of their idols. And, and they came in with all of their cultures, culture and things that, that were just an abomination to God. And God has decided under the new covenant, God has decided because of the blood of Jesus Christ that I want those people to have an opportunity to be a part of my nation. Yep, those that are full of idolatry. Those that are full of abomination, those that have lying tongues, those that uh, that act like, you know, there are many gods out there, those that are just filthy, filthy. I want them to have an opportunity. And you know who he's talking about? He's not just talking about some fairy tale people in, in, in time long ago. He's talking about me. He's talking about you. You were filthy. You were full of idolatry. You were full of sin. You were full of, of, of abominations of God. But God has made it possible because of his mercy, because of his grace, and because of his love to open up to you an opportunity to belong to him, to be a part of his royal priesthood, to be a part of his peculiar people, to be a part of his holy nation. So that is what he has done for us. So I hope I brought more clarity to you about that. So in light of all of that, we move into verse 19 that says, uh, let's start with verse 18. It says, for through him or through Jesus Christ, we both have access. We, who is we both? Those that grew up in church and those that didn't grow up in church. Those that were a part of the uh, of, of the people of God on the old covenant, and those that are that weren't a part of that uh, sector of people, but we both Jew and Gentile, the heathen, everybody, everybody has a. You know what? To bring clarity to this, I want you to look at Romans three real quick, and I gotta get back because I want to make sure I get all of this out to you. Romans three, and verse. Uh, 19 says, now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Watch this. Look at verse 22. The righteousness of God. Let's read verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe for there. This is what I want you to pay attention to. For there is no distinction for all have sinned 
and fall short of the glory of God. Remember a couple of episodes ago, we talked about how the glory of God is showcasing the glory of God is the hope of our calling. It's the whole reason we were saved. We were saved. The Bible tells us over in Thessalonians that we were saved to obtain the glory of Christ. And the glory of God. So watch this. Paul says over in Romans, there is no distinction. I don't care if you if you classify yourself as a Jew. I don't care if you classify yourself as a Gentile. We all are guilty before God. And because everybody's guilty, everybody has been given the opportunity to be washed and cleansed and redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Because we've all sinned. And what is sin? Sin is a crime in God's kingdom. But the actual word sin means to miss the mark. And what is the mark? The mark or the pride of the high calling is that I showcase the glory of God. That's why it says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory because that's how that's the aim of your life is to showcase the glory of God today, today, this very day. Your whole point that air is going through your lungs, oxygen you're breathing in, the whole fact that blood is running through your veins right now, the whole fact that God allowed you to open up your eyes today is all about God giving you a chance and an opportunity to showcase his glory. God wants to fill the earth with his glory and he wants to do it through you. So everybody missed the mark. He said, I don't care who you are. Everybody missed the mark. So therefore, I'm giving everybody an opportunity to be reborn, rejuvenated, and justified in my kingdom. So in light of that, we're going back to verse 18 of Ephesians 2. It says, for through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you, you are no longer, excuse me, it says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens. But you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. You are fellow, fellow citizens with the saints. You are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Now, what I want us to pay attention to, it says that you are no longer strangers and aliens. I want us to pay attention and draw a distinction between the strangers and the citizens. The strangers and the citizens, the strangers and the citizens, because in in order for us to understand what is happening, what has transpired in this whole process, we've got to understand those two groups of people. So I want us to go through and we're going to go through some scriptures in the Old Testament. I'm going to take you on a journey today and I'm going to show you the distinction between the two groups of people, what made them different and what was special about them. I want to show you something that out of the grace and the mercy and the kindness of God, that the strangers and the aliens under the Old Testament, uh, <laughs> under the Old Testament, the strangers and aliens under the Old Testament, they had benefits and they had privileges and they had blessings. It is the most beautiful and amazing thing. It is going to show you a side of God that's so loving and so kind and so merciful. That under the old covenant, the God constantly told the nation of Israel, when you get to your promised land, when you get there, I want you not to forget the, the widows. I don't want you to forget the orphans. And then he said, I don't want you to forget the strangers. I want you to let them live with you. 
I want you to let them experience the fruit of the land. I want you to let them have a place. And you know what? I want you to let them pay tithes with you. I want and if they even and then if they go further and get circumcised so you can be circumcised. Listen to me. Listen, you can be circumcised and still be an alien in the nation of Israel. But if you get circumcised, let them pay the tithes, let them participate in the Passover, let them participate in all the festivals, let them participate in all the memorials of God that, that, that have been established. Let them enjoy all of that because watch this, something beautiful about God is that God allows the rain, Jesus said it himself, God allows the rain to fall on the just and he allows it to fall on the unjust. He says you can be an alien. Oh, you can come to church and you can be a part of teams and you can be a part of Sunday services and you can be a part of this group and that group and not in reality be a part of the nation of Jesus Christ. Oh, oh, it's very possible. Oh, it's very possible to preach the gospel. It's very possible to leave uh, to lead other people to Jesus. It's very possible to cast devils out of people. It's very possible to prophesy accurately the word of the Lord to people and not belong to his nation and still be an alien and still be a sojourner and still be a foreigner. But he allows you to participate. He allows you to be a part of it. He allows you to be blessed. He allows you to experience the blessings of prosperity and the blessings of, of joy. He allows you to be around. But, the, but the, the difference between the stranger, the difference between the alien, the difference between the foreigner and the people of God or the citizen was that the alien could enjoy the land, but the citizen had a right to the land. The citizen had a right to the land. The citizen owned the land. Pay attention to it because we're going to see some changes as we go through the Old Testament. I'm just setting this all up for you so you can understand what is taking place for you in the kingdom of God or in the nation of Jesus Christ. So the alien had provisions set for them. Had provisions set. Now, let me go because I want you to, to see these things. The alien had provisions for them, but... God said they don't own the land. They're not going to own it. Oh, they can please don't don't treat them any kind of way, which means you got to walk in love towards them. You've got to be kind to them. That's why the Bible says over in the New Testament, I'm jumping ahead of myself, but Jesus said over in the New Testament that the world is going to know us. Who is the world? The world is the Gentile. Who are the Jew in the New Testament? It's the church. It's the body of Christ. It's the believer. It's the citizens of the nation of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, the world or the Gentile, under the new covenant, I'm going to say it this way, but I hope you, you get it. The, the Gentile is going to know the Jew by our love. That's what he says. He says, the Gentile or the world is going to know my disciples. The world is going to know the citizens by love. Love is how they're going to be identified. And so we see this demonstrated over in the book of Leviticus. You see it in the book of Deuteronomy that God always had reservations made for the stranger, for the alien. And why? The Bible says over in Leviticus. The Bible also says that over in First uh, Chronicles 29, I believe it is, that he talks about him and he makes this statement that Israel, I want you to be kind to, to the alien and the foreigner and the stranger because there was a time in your history that 
that's who you were. Man, I hope somebody's listening to me. He said, Israel, that there was a time in your life when that's exactly who you were. Remember when you were in Egypt? You were an alien there. You didn't belong there. Remember, remember when you were in captivity? Remember that was you. So I want you to be kind to the people who are currently aliens. People who are currently living in a world that they're not really supposed to be a part of. Oh man, hear me. That is how, that is how we love the Gentile under the new covenant. I want you to pay attention to them. I want you, and I want you to give them a place among you, which means that's why Jesus, when Jesus gets here in, a, in, a, in the gospels, I'm going really slow here because I want us to grab a hold of what God did for us. When Jesus get, uh, comes here and he's incarnated and walking the earth, there are many times we see Jesus doing what? Dining with sinners. He got accused of dining and partying and just relaxing and hanging out with sinners. Why? What was he doing? He was making place for the foreigner. He was making a place for the alien. He was making a place for the stranger. He was showing kindness to them and showing love to them. Because in all actuality, Jesus was an alien here on the earth. He was of another world. This wasn't, he was of another planet. And yet he came here. So he knew what it was like to be a part of something that you know you really don't belong in. How soon do we forget that when we were in captivity and we were in sin and we were in bondages and we were in cycles, we were a part of a world, you know, we really just did not belong in. I don't know about you, but I know about me being trapped in cycles that you know you really don't belong in. Being trapped in habits that you know is really not a part of who you've been called to be. Yep, you're running around, you're doing that, you're caught up in this, and you're wrapped up in that. But at the core of you, you know, I'm really a stranger, I'm really an alien, I really don't belong here. I really don't belong here. And what draws you out is coming and having a face-to-face encounter with the love of God. Watch this, but the difference, going back to it now, the difference between the stranger And the citizen was that the stranger could experience the love of God. The stranger could experience the kindness of God, just like the citizen. The stranger could experience the blessings and the provisions of God, just like the citizen. But the citizen had ownership of the land. The citizen had a right to the land, to the promised land. All right. But watch this over in the book of Isaiah. I want you to turn there. Go to Isaiah chapter 14, Isaiah 14 and verse 1. It says, For the Lord will have compassion on Jacob and will again choose Israel and will set them in their own land and sojourners will join them and will attach themselves to the house of Jacob. Now, this is a prophecy in the book of Isaiah. And what has happened is, Israel, remember, they were aliens and they were sojourners in the land of Egypt. God brought them out and he brought them through the wilderness, but he was leading them to the promised land. Because, again, the benefit of being a citizen is land. That's the benefit of being a citizen is land. The the alien and the stranger does not have access to the land initially. That's why the Bible says that when the Israelites were brought out of Egypt, they were brought out with a mixed multitude. There was a mixed multitude that came out. 
But the ones who got the land were the, were the nation of Israel or the citizens of that nation. The aliens and the strangers and the foreigners just got to enjoy the benefits of it. But then they rebelled against God. Watch this, because the, the, the nation of Israel had access to the land as long as they walked in obedience. As long as they walked in obedience and the Lord was their God, the Lord was their king, the Lord ruled, the Lord reigned, the Lord, they followed his precepts, they followed his commands, they followed his ordinances, they followed his statutes. As long as they did that, they had ownership of the land because they were citizens of God's nation. When they decided to turn away from God, because watch this, even though they owned the land, it it really was God's land. God was letting them have a part of of his land. God owns the earth. All of it belongs to him. So it's really God's land. God is the God of the earth. He's the God. He is Lord. He is king. He is the sovereign ruler. And as long as the Lord was their God, they had rights to the land. When they disobeyed God and they went over into idolatry, they went into captivity. Because what is captive? Then you move over to a different land. You move over to a different culture because of the God you choose to serve. But then when God. And but then what God does in the book of Isaiah is he is prophesying to them that I'm going to declare to you all that there's going to come a time I'm going to bring you back to your land. But this time when you come back, I'm not just going to give you access to the land. I'm not just going to give it to the citizens. But I'm going to allow the sojourners or I'm going to allow the aliens. I'm going to allow the strangers and I'm going to join them in. Do you see this? This is a prophecy about the whole Jew Gentile thing. I'm going to join them in and give them access to the land. All right. Let me show you something else. Go over to Ezekiel 47. Ezekiel 47. In Ezekiel 47, we have the vision that some of us are very much aware of. Of Ezekiel has this vision of the temple. Pay attention to it. Ezekiel has a vision of, of the temple of God. And in the temple, the waters begin to rise. And, you know, they're ankle deep and then they're knee deep and then they're waist deep. And then finally, Ezekiel is swimming in the waters here. And then uh, God begins to give him the word of the Lord about how these waters are living. So living waters are now coming out of the temple and causing life and revival to come to all of these areas. So in light of that, he talks about uh, the rivers coming out of the temple into the land and watch what God prophesies here in Ezekiel 47 verse 21 it says so you shall divide this land among you according to the tribes of Israel you shall allot it watch this as an inheritance for yourselves and for the sojourners who reside among you and have had children among you they shall be to you as native born children of Israel with you there shall be an allotted an inheritance among the tribes of Israel and whatever tribe the sojourner resides there you shall assign him his inheritance declares the Lord God man man that is a beautiful prophecy God says you know what the, the, the rivers and the waters are going to flow in the temple again. And they're going to flow not just ankle deep and, and, and knee deep and waist deep, but you're going to begin to swim in the rivers of God. 
But this time when when this happens and this restoration happens, I don't want the land is not just going to belong to to those that are called themselves Jews by birth. But I'm going to graft a group of people in who were aliens, who were sojourners, who were strangers, and I'm going to make them natives of that nation. I'm going to make them natives of my nation. I'm going to pull them in. I'm going to make them a part of my royal priesthood. And not only am I going to let them have the benefits and the blessings of being around the people of God, but I'm going to cause them to own the land just like the citizens. I'm going to give them land ownership. My friend, that is exactly what has happened to us under the new covenant. God doesn't want us to stay strangers. That's why he says in Ephesians. Go back over to Ephesians 2. He says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens. You are no longer just going to experience the blessings of, uh, of, of that nation. You're not going to just experience the provisions of God and the hand of God and the kindness of God and the reign of God. No, you're not just going to be strangers and aliens, but you are going to be fellow citizens with the saints. With the, who are the saints? Abraham was a saint. Moses was a saint. Joshua was a saint. David was a saint. Who, who, saint is not a character thing. It is a citizenship thing. It is those who belong to God. We're talking about the people of God. The prophet Samuel was a saint. The prophet Isaiah was a saint. Man, Peter was a saint. The beloved apostle John was a saint. James was a saint. Paul was a saint. He says, we are now fellow citizens. We have ownership rights to the land. Now, I'm, I'm almost out of time, but I want to show you this about the land. Watch this. And members of the household of God. Now, we're going to actually pick this up next week concerning the members of the household of God. And we're going to talk about God's house and God's dwelling place. But what I want you to see here is about citizenship, about fellow citizens with the saints of God. I said in the beginning of this that the only difference between the alien and the citizen, basically because of the kindness of God, the only difference was the citizen owned land. The Israelites were, were promised a promised land. They were in, in the wilderness. They got out of Egypt, but they just didn't just get out of Egypt just to get out. They got out to go in. They got out of bondage to go into promise. They got out of captivity to go into the land of destiny. They had a promised land, and it was called Canaan. Canaan land was their promised land. Now, there are a bunch of teachings and doctrines that like to, to say that Canaan land is heaven, and we're all going to Canaan land, we're all going to heaven, and that is the promised land in the New Testament or the New Covenant. But I'm going to show you in Scripture real quickly how that is not true. The promised land is not heaven. The promised land is not heaven. I'm going to show you what it is. Remember I said that the promised land was Canaan. It was Canaan. Go over to the book of Hosea, chapter 12. We know that is an interesting book, but I want to show you something here. Oh, Hosea, chapter 12, verse 2. Watch this. Watch this prophecy. It says that the Lord has an indictment against Judah and will punish Jacob according to his ways. He will repay him according to his deeds. In the womb, he took his brother by the heel, and in his manhood, he strove with God. He strove with the angel and prevailed. He wept and sought his favor. He met God at Bethel, and there God spoke with us. The Lord, the God of hosts, the Lord is his memorial name. So you, by the help of your God, return, hold fast to love and justice, and wait continually for your God. Now, verse 7 is really what I want us to pay attention to. Verse 7 says, a merchant 
and whose hands are false balances he loves to oppress. Now, I'm not here to dissect this prophecy or to give you an expository explanation on it. What I want you to pay attention to is that verse 7 says a merchant when the actual word there is Canaan. The actual prophecy is about Canaan, but, but the word Canaan means merchant. It means merchant. Now, back it up. Citizens had ownership rights to the land, to the promised land. That's what the citizen had that the alien didn't have. But what God said and what I'm going to do in the new covenant is I'm going to open the door for the alien to become a citizen. And so what that means is I'm going to open the door for the alien to have ownership rights of the land. So what is the land? The land was Canaan. What is Canaan? Canaan was a merchant. The name Canaan means merchant. So give us more clarity about that. Go over to Matthew chapter 13. And let's look at verse 44. And then I have to let you guys go already. Look at Matthew 13, 44. It says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. Actually, one verse. Go to verse 45. So Matthew 13, verse 45 says again, the kingdom of heaven is like a what? A merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. What is the revelation here? The revelation is that the kingdom, the kingdom is the promised land. The kingdom is the land of promise. The kingdom is Canaan in the new covenant. So going back to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, it says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints. What does that mean? You're no longer strangers. You're no longer aliens, but you are fellow citizens. You now have ownership rights to the kingdom of God. That's why Jesus said it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You have access to the kingdom. No, you're not full of idolatry. You're not full of filth. You don't need to hold your head down in condemnation. You don't need to live your life in shame and guilt. But you can lift your head up because the Father has desired to give you the kingdom. And not just all of the blessings of the kingdom, but you are a citizen of the kingdom of God. You own the land. That is your promised land. Full of righteousness, full of joy, full of peace, full of power and authority. You have access to the kingdom. Well, my friends, I I am out of time already this week. Thank you guys for joining me. Thank you for tuning in. And I want you to know that you are a part of God's city. It is God's city. It is God's promised land. And he has given it to you. You have access to the city of God, and it's called the kingdom of heaven. It's called the kingdom of God. It's called being a part of the nation of Jesus Christ. Thank you, guys. Don't forget to share. Don't forget to invite people to follow along and to be transformed by the word. And don't forget to leave your reviews and ratings and to let me know if this is blessing you, encouraging you, transforming you, helping you grow in your walk with God. I am so glad that we are on this journey together and allowing the scriptures to be revealed and our lives to be transformed. See you all same time same place next week god bless